had that experience too, where I was like, in my mind, it was the best I ever looked. And I was like, okay, well, maybe it's my personality. Welcome to another episode of Finding Mr. Height, the podcast. I'm Allie, back with my co-host, Erica. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. How are you feeling on this Sunday? I'm good. I have had a wonderful Sunday. Yeah? Feeling a little yeah. more up? I Yeah, I'm feeling more up. I had a great night's sleep. I woke up. I made myself some breakfast, went to the nursery, bought a ton of plants, flowers. I've been setting up my balcony. I had oh, coffee really, on my balcony. you're heavy into the... The loamy lifestyle now, huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and then I went to Home Goods. It was really just like a 30 something type of Sunday. And it was lovely. I mean, what a change. The weather is finally nice in New York. Oh my God. Changing my life, dude. One it's one amazing. thing at a time. How was the wedding? Oh, the wedding was really fun. It was great. Um, hilarious of maybe not hilarious. My bag got randomly selected to get searched through TSA PreCheck. Yeah. Uh, and it was just like my backpack, though. So he was digging through and then he found my container of uh, Sunset Lake CBD gummies. Ah, which one was it? The good vibes ones? It wasn't the good vibes ones, but they okay. were like the guy gave me this little look and he was like, what kind of gummies are these? And I was like, what CBD. It's totally fine. <laughs> also, I was like, and I'm flying New York to New York anyway. Does that make a difference if it was edibles? I don't know. True. But uh, yeah, but he was like, oh, really? He's like. They look like delicious. I said, "Well, they are actually." Did you give him our? Delicious. Did you give him our promo code? <laughs> I did. I was like, "FMH twenty for twenty percent off." <laughs> oh my god, we're spreading the good word of Sunset Lake CBD to the TSA agents across the land. If anything, I was like, "What if they just take this because they just want it?" You know, I I would not be surprised if that happens sometimes. Maybe not, but um, I'm definitely going to be taking some tonight because I've had a. Long weekend, long wedding weekend, but it was fun. My cousin got married, and I also uh, moved out of my apartment with Talia. So shout out to Talia for helping helping me out for a couple months. Really came in clutch for me. Yeah, yeah. That I will also be leaning into my Sunset Lake tonight because I, I find that I use the sleep gummies more when I'm very tired. Because mm. sometimes when I'm very tired is when I have the hardest time falling asleep. I don't know if that if that's true for you. Oh. No, not for me. It's more I'll be mad if I get a second wind. <laughs> so it's maybe Dad, just stopping, stopping the second wind from happening. Yeah, very true. But if you or any TSA agents that you know would like to try Sunset Lake, you can go to sunsetlakecbd.com and use our promo code FMH20 and get 20% off. Yeah, get 20% off. They're already some of the lowest prices I've ever seen in the game. And uh, if you like a little edible, they also have those. So... FMH 20, everyone, 20% off. So I've talked a little bit on the pod about how I've been trying to extend my damp January into, into future months. And I have really been enjoying recess mocktails as a way to have what feels like a fancy drink at home, but without the alcohol. Yeah. And also it's nice to have something in your fridge that just has a little bit of flavor. Totally. And they're, they're delicious. They're made with real fruit, sweetened with agave, and again, 0% alcohol. So just a nice, nice little flavorful drink. That is a little little play on our favorites here. They got a bunch of great flavors. My personal favorite is the Recess Watermelon Mojito. I actually like to garnish it like it's a actual cocktail. Like I put it in a coupe glass, feeling all fancy, garnish it with a little sprig of mint. It is delicious. 
And my favorite is the Recess Ginger Lime Mule. I'm a ginger gal. And what I love also, not too sweet. Perfect amount of just a little little sweet treat. They're absolutely delicious. And you can get 15% off Recess Mocktails now at takearecess.com slash FMH. So you can enjoy your favorite cocktails without the consequences. Yeah, so how are you feeling having moved out? Uh, I feel good. I feel fine, honestly. I, uh, I'm more... <laughs> I always get more stressed of the uh, packing for a long trip, essentially, which is what yeah. I have to do. I'm going to be uh, working the Comedy Cellar out there. So if you're out there, come to a show. I'll be there the 24th through the 30th. If you're in Vegas, you want to come see a show. And then I'm in L.A. for a few weeks. Um, but yeah, it's like packing to move out. It's like, OK, we pack everything. <laughs> so it's not that as stressful. I just had to get a couple boxes, load my yeah, car. True. I didn't bring that much stuff here anyway. It's always just clothes. That's always my <laughs> number one thing. Um, but yeah, the move honestly was smooth. I had a I had a different update to tell you, actually. Oh. So I was at a party last week, and I ran into the relationship guy. Oh, when's the last time you saw him? Pretty much a year ago. Yeah, I, I haven't heard soon you mention after... like, running into him or anything. Yeah, it was pretty soon after we stopped seeing each other. I ran into right. him hilarious at a party so and it was so funny of not that long ago i was talking to someone about it and i was a little surprised like i hadn't run into him at all because we have enough mutual friends yeah i was gonna say you guys run in like fairly similar circles right yeah but it makes sense of like oh yeah the birthday party you're there yeah you also know the birthday person so makes sense but weirdly i just hadn't been thinking about him whatsoever and so initially when I first saw him at the party, it was, I was like walking by and all of a sudden I realized he was there and I did a quick take of a, like uh, to give a slight wave, but he was talking to two people. So I was like, I don't know if he saw me. And then I continued to walk and I was like, well, if he sees you now, now it looks like you ignored him. And then I was like, fuck. Cause then the rest of the party, I just kept being like, you should talk to them at some point. So it doesn't seem like you're avoiding them. Does that make sense? And did you? Yeah, but it was hilarious if I was like, I am tapped out socially. I want to go home. I, I started that. talking. I just started a combo with another friend. I just went, so uh, you ever been at a party and there's someone you are you feel like you should say hello to, so it's just not awkward, but you haven't said hello yet? And you're like, do I have to do it? Do I have to do it? And, and then you reach like a critical mass where now it's like been too long. It's not even the been too long. You know what it was? There's all these groups talking. So a closed circle, I was like, I said, is this important enough? I need to go interrupt and join the whole circle of people? Because I was like, that feels awkward as hell to me. I I think it's one of those things where if you saw him alone or ordering a drink at the bar or you happen to be kind of in passing, then it makes total sense. I don't think if I were in your shoes that I would have interrupted a conversation that he was having to say hello because I I wouldn't really I don't know if you wanted to have an extended conversation with him but I probably wouldn't have right and and the other two people in the convo I had already said hello to so I was like (laughs) if it was all three people I didn't go and give a hug to I a thousand percent would interrupt no problem I'd go hey what's up everybody nice it's great to see you how's this make it a group convo like it's not weird no one here had sex or anything (laughs) you you know (laughs) like like it's not awkward for any of us look at me look how friendly i'm being um and whatnot um 
But yeah, I ended up, I just stayed talking to my one friend and hilarious of he didn't know who I was talking about. So he was like, well, now oh, I'm not going to leave till I figure out who this is. That's incredible. Uh, and then uh, eventually he, I don't know, broke off from the group and was walking. And I just, I caught his eye and gave a little wave. Okay. And then he came over, said hello, said hello to the other person. He's like, how are you? How's everything? And we had just like a quick catch up. Um, obviously nothing came up of the uh, new relationship, which I was like, thank oh, God. that's right. God, how awful would that be? It was just like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm seeing someone now. I'd be like, oh, you mean after you told me you weren't ready for a relationship? Mm-hmm. That, that person? That mm-hmm. Well, I, I can say her name right now. I can say her name. I know who it is. Uh, <laughs> but uh, this was a little odd of we still follow each other on social media due to mutual friends. Uh, we both yeah. have each other muted, I believe. Um, he congratulated me on James Corden in person. Oh. And he, if I recall correctly, at the time, didn't he like not say anything about it, but you knew that he not knew a word. about it? Yeah, not a word saying about it, not a post like, not a nothing. You were seeing him when you were dealing with all of the back and forth with them, right? Yeah, I was still dealing with trying to figure out the set and getting approved yeah. and, you know, all that stuff. So I, I remember being a little bummed. I didn't hear anything. Yeah, I remember that. But it also was like, you know, I didn't reach out to him on his birthday because we hadn't spoken. Yeah. I and it just is another sorry. weird. You're like, do I restart this for what? Just to say they say a thank you and the combo's over. And yeah, um, there's no need for that. You don't need to yeah. engage, start a text conversation where it's just the two of you wishing each other a happy birthday forever. No, seriously. So, but it just, I don't know. It was kind of funny to me that in person he was like, oh, congrats on Corden. I saw it. It was awesome. It was great. And then he was like, and congrats on the seller. I heard you're working there now. And I was like, oh, yeah, I am. It's going great. You know, all yeah. that stuff. And asked him what's new with him. Did not mention the girlfriend. Uh, it really was fine. I really didn't, like, feel awkward at all. If That's anything, good. and I don't mean this to sound mean, but if anything, I kind of was standing there like, oh, I really don't find myself attracted to you anymore. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Like, I was like, oh, man. Like, almost thinking like, oh, man, I was, like, so upset when this didn't work out and now i'm like and you're eh. like hmm i'm like eh. <laughs> yeah like uh, that sounds so mean to say because he literally did not change whatsoever and just i was like oh in my mind i was more attracted to you than now in person talking to you i'm like oh i don't feel that at all anymore i don't think that's mean because you're not saying that like you no longer think he is an attractive person no not at all i yeah. just felt none of that I don't know, because I do this. If I have a breakup, especially if it's someone, you're like, I might run into this person. You'll replay in your head, like, running into them. Of course. And for a long time, I was like, oof, I'll be, I'll need to keep that combo short and, like, keep it moving. Because it would just feel, I don't know, yeah. terrible, or I would just feel sad of, like, yeah, why didn't this work, you know? Well, that's great that you, that it happened and that you didn't feel that way. Yeah, I didn't. I just felt I felt fine. If anything, I was like, huh, I guess we're over it. And then I thought like, oh, yeah, I haven't thought to like look up his social media either. So I was like, oh, it's, yeah. That's one of those things that one day that just stops and you don't really realize when it stops because the idea is that you're not really thinking about them anymore. Mm-hmm. And then something will remind you of it and you'll realize like, oh, yeah, I used to think about this person every day and how upset I was. And then one yep. day I just didn't. Yeah. So kind of a i don't know it was a weird full circle moment also it was um 
pretty much a year, yeah, since we were hanging out. Yeah. And that's something that hilarious. I remember being so upset and telling myself, I was like, in a year, you're not going to care about this at all. But in the moment, it's you're really just like, hard. when am I going to get It's really hard this? to internalize that. It's so hard. But that's the thing I always tell myself is like, think of the last person you were upset about and how you're yep. just not upset about it anymore. Like you eventually yeah. get there, but it feels like fucking forever when it's happening. I know. A year ago, I was in D.C. visiting the disco ball for the first time. Oh, damn. Yeah. Yeah. My phone showed me that one. <laughs> the damn phone, dude. Yeah. But similar, it popped up and I was like, oh, yeah, that was a nice trip. Because it was. Okay. And like, I don't have any, there aren't really any feelings attached to it, which for a long time there was. Or, you That's know, maybe not one. a long, long time, but for a while there was. So, yeah, of course. Reasonable, too. Yeah. Um, I have a little update about my Tinder premium gift. Oh. What's up? So last week I talked about how I was getting a year of Tinder premium mm-hmm. and I got it this week and I have been engaging with Tinder. I am in several good conversations on Tinder right now. Okay. This is a nice turn. Yeah. And they came about because – so one of the features of Tinder premium similar to Bumble premium is that you can see who's liked you. What I like even more is you can filter those likes in a way that you actually can't filter when you're searching. Okay. And an example of something you can filter for are people who have a bio. It's brilliant. Shut up. That's a yeah. new thing? Yes. You can filter on people who have a bio, just any bio. And this is while swiping or after the swiping you're saying? You can The people who've liked you, mm-hmm. you can okay. filter those people by who has a bio. Oh, very interesting. Yeah. You can also filter by how many pictures they have. So I've been filtering on people who have three or more pictures. Okay. And a a bio. Wow. All right. Yeah. That's a really good rebrand then because they want to be less hookup oriented. Yeah. So that way you can't, interestingly enough, you can't yet, I don't know if you'll be able to at some point, filter on what someone's looking for. Hmm. However, I have noticed that a lot of people are not filling that out. Maybe because it's new. I don't know. Probably. But I don't think I'd want to filter on it anyway because so few profiles that I've come across even say it. Um, Mm, But mm -hmm. filtering on somebody who's put effort into their profile is a game changer. It's great. I'm all for it. Yeah. So I've been doing that and I've been swiping on my own as well, but I've been mostly going through. I haven't really been that active on Tinder. And so, and I've had it now for, I don't know when I redownloaded it, but months and months. Yeah. And so there's plenty of people for me to go through from that people who've liked me over that course of time still. Right. Um, and I, I will say I have encountered more immediate hookup or immediate physical comment guys, mm-hmm. but they're immediate. <laughs> so you're not that mad about it? I'm not that mad about it. It's like that's, that's how I the felt guy, like some guy this morning said like, Hey, they're gorgeous. Happy Sunday. And I was initially like, mm, this is probably going to go in a direction I don't like. I give them one comment like that. I gave I mean, them that open comment. With a, you want to open with a compliment? I go, all right, Erica, Fine. let's see. Fine. And so I wrote yeah. back and I said, hey, happy Sunday. Said a little thing about what I was doing and asked him what he was doing. And then he went back to the physical and I was like, okay, no, goodbye. Yeah. So like that or another guy immediately asked me if i if i liked traditional dominant men 
Oh God, I get that like all the time. No, but the, like it took me like it took like ten seconds of my time, right, to just unmatch those people or or stop responding to those people. So I don't think I've had it long enough to really determine if I would pay for it on my own. Like I, for mm-hmm. example, I pay for Bumble Premium, I pay for Hinge Premium, or whatever the preferred or whatever it's called. I haven't decided yet whether Tinder Premium is worth it, quote unquote. Okay. Jury's still out, but I do think that there are some pretty cool aspects of it. I mean, I like it. I think the bio thing is truly unique because that's really? not on I any other app. It's not on Bumble or Hinge. I that's those are the only really the three that I interact with. So it could be on one of the smaller ones, but that is huge. You can also there's like a bunch of different ones that I'm not using. You can do a photo verified. You can search for people who are mm-hmm. only photo verified. That one exists on others. We which as we've discussed before may or may not i don't think it makes that much of a difference no i don't think so either especially because there's ways to get around it like you can photo verify yourself and then change all your pictures mm-hmm. yeah and there's a guy or, or who knows if it's even a, a human being there's a, a a profile that i chatted with this morning who was very clearly not the person that they said they were oh and i i reported them but they were photo verified Mm, okay yeah that makes sense then so not something i'm gonna be filtering on but i've been filtering so the filters i've been using are distance and age and then three plus pictures and a bio i like that though the bio i think the bio thing's a game changer i won't be surprised if bumble figures out a way to do it too absolutely but yeah yeah or like how many prompts have they filled out on hinge like stuff like that like having Mm -hmm. that more fully fully filled out profile and yeah i'm i'm having four currently conversations with people and i only got it yesterday okay all right so that's exciting so you feel like they're just more active than the hinge or bumble people possibly because i've also gotten in the last couple of days i've gotten like six or seven bumble matches and only one of them turned into a conversation yeah i'm telling you sometimes that 24-hour timer is actually the worst part about bumble yeah and I feel like we talked oh. about it with Talia a little bit. She was like, mm-hmm. oh, if I don't, if I can't meet them in that 24 hours, it seems like, forget it, you know? Yeah. So we'll see. But so far I'm, I'm happy at least if nothing else to be infusing a little bit of newness right. into dating and making it like seem a little bit more fun because like we've talked about, I've been feeling a little bit blah about yeah. it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, don't, don't hate yourself if you end up taking a break, you know? No, of course not. But, but I, I know it's just hard I, with like the show because I feel that way. Yeah. Although I have taken a break before while recording. And mm. I think there's also like value in that in terms of like talking about why and talking about, you know, how I'm feeling about it and that kind of thing. And I haven't been feeling the the like meh feeling that I'm feeling is not a burnout. It's not like I want right. to take a break because I'm burned out on this. It's more like I want to be engaged in this. I'm frustrated that I am I am struggling to find other engaging people. Right. Okay. That makes sense then. Um, but, but I just meant know, like maybe... I've, I've felt that of like, oh, but you have nothing to say for the show. And it's like, look, we're human. So sometimes. Of course. Sometimes I, I just got other stuff is taking priority. Sorry, everyone. Yeah. You know? No, I mean, I think that makes sense, though. Like you said, we're humans. This, this is our real life. Right. Um, I, I actually said that to somebody recently 
they DM'd me asking why there haven't been juicier updates on the Patreon. Oh my god. And I, well, this was this was before this is before. Yeah, the last two weeks have been juicy. Yeah, people. the last two weeks have been juicy. I don't know as where fuck. you've been. They've been but, very no, juicy. This was, this was like three weeks ago. Um, and I wrote back and I was like, I, listen, it's our real life, and we are sharing what we are comfortable sharing. Currently, it's not even that there's stuff I'm not comfortable sharing. There's just nothing. There's yeah. nothing juicy there. So I don't. I you know I'm not going to go out and create juicy things. So that I could talk yeah. about them. Especially if your mom's in town. <laughs> You're like, sorry, mom. <laughs> I gotta go meet up with this guy. Gotta go I have a up. Patreon tomorrow. <laughs> it's like, oh my God. We're human. It's like, you want the show to be real? It's real, okay? Yeah, there's nothing happening. Real is right? boring sometimes. <laughs> I know. If anything, here's, here's a plus side of the show. It has made me like the party situation. I literally thought to myself, if someone emailed in this scenario what would you tell them? And I'd say, mm-hmm. just go say hello. It's always better to just say hello and say something, even if it feels awkward. It's like, all right, I didn't blow that person off, you know? So. Yeah, that I, I do think that that is a really positive aspect of sharing our dating lives is that it enables me to think about it from an outsider's perspective in a way that's helpful sometimes like that. Like, what advice would I give this person? Mm-hmm. Like exactly. you said, it that that part is nice. I mean, there are a lot of parts that are great, but that that part is is good. Yeah, but uh, we got to get to our guest this week because we have an amazing guest. I'm very very excited to have her on. Okay, so I reached out to a friend of mine, and this is this is your trigger warning for everybody. Okay, uh, this might be a sensitive topic, and it might be something you don't want to hear about. Uh, but if you do, uh, I reached out to my friend Emily. She's now one of the co-hosts of Diet Starts Tomorrow, and she has openly for years talked about her past eating disorder and different disorder tendencies that she's had. So I was very happy she wanted to come on our show and talk about it here and share it here. Um, as I'm, I'm someone that has personally not experienced disordered eating, uh, but we all have experienced, you know, toxic diet culture and all that type of stuff. So we just interviewed her. It's a great episode. I loved talking to her. So happy she came so on. Good. Uh, but yeah, if this is something that is a little sensitive to you, maybe you don't want to listen. Um, but it really, it really is great. Honestly, it's one of my favorites we've done so far. Yeah, the conversation was really incredible. I'm so grateful that she is so open with her journey and with the learnings that she has had and, you know, where she's at now. And it, it was just awesome. So without further ado, let's kick it over to Emily. Let's do it. Listen up, guys. If you haven't heard yet, we're coming to the DC Comedy Law for another live podcast Thursday, March 21st. Get your tickets. We are... I think over halfway sold out already. Well over halfway sold out. So get your tickets. If you want to come experience some magic live, we want to meet you. We want to talk to you. We're going to have so much fun. And it's also Allie's birthday that week. It is my birthday that week. So, and my mom might be there. I'm excited. You can go to findingmrhyde.com slash live to find an easy link also in our bios to get those tickets. And we are going to have an after party afterwards where we can really meet and greet, talk to everybody somewhere in the area. Yeah. So make sure you come DC Comedy Loft Thursday, March 21st. And if you want to check out some stand up, I'm going to be there all weekend. So Friday and that Saturday, I'll be doing stand up shows, start swiping on Hinge, bring a date, have a good time. And you'll, you can come and meet Allie's mom, which we still have some spots left on our Portugal trip. And a little update on that. A few of you reached out to us about hey, I want to come either, unfortunately, I don't have my mom anymore, or I want to come with my aunt, I want to come with my sister, I just want to come with a friend. The trip is officially open to anybody that would like to come, as long as you don't mind, 
half the trip being moms and daughter combos. Everybody's excited to come. Doesn't matter. You are welcome to join. Travel with us. It's going to be so, so fun. You can also check that out at findingmrhight.com slash podcast. If you have any questions about it, feel free to reach out. We're happy to answer anything. We're just so excited to be there with our moms and with you. Yep. Next October, October 4th through 10th. Check it out. Come travel with us too. back with Emily. Hi, Emily. Welcome to Finding Mr. Height, the podcast. Hey, ladies. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm psyched to be here, truly. So excited to have you on. Uh, if you guys have not heard Emily from Diet Starts Tomorrow or her other podcast, RIP Diets, uh, you've always talked very openly about your past with having an eating disorder. And so we've had a request for this type of episode. and We're so excited to have you on to talk about Have it. you? People have re- requested this specifically. Oh, yeah. A lot mm-hmm. of people have requested not only conversations about disordered eating, but also how that relates to dating and, you know, sharing a past with disordered eating or having a present and, you know, how that kind of then impacts you as you go out into the dating world and, you know, just in general and relating to people. Yeah. I I mean, honestly, I'm surprised and I'm not surprised because I know that so many people deal with it. But, you know, when I was in it and we'll get into it, but when I was dating, I thought it was like the most shameful thing. Like I would never, ever talk about it for a very long time. And uh, I think more people need to be talking about it because it is so common. Absolutely. For sure. So, so yeah. So on that note, give us some background, you know, where Take, take us through that. Sure. Um, I mean, I've struggled with some form of disordered eating for my entire life, but I didn't know what it was. Um, when I was growing up, I was a fat kid. And, um, and I say that affectionately. I've like unlearned my hatred of the word fat and I've unlearned a lot of my own fat phobia. And, but and, and I hated being called fat when I was little, but th- truly mm. that's, that is what I was. And I was classified as obese. Um, it was very much a family issue. It was always, what are we going to do about Emily's weight? How are we going to fix this problem? Um, mm. And I, even from basically as far back as I can remember, I remember having zero control around food um, and you know, if there was like a plate of cookies on the table, I would just stare at them. And I just, I just wanted it. I just wanted all the food. I would use food to, um, soothe myself. I would use it for comfort when I was bored, when I was sad, when I was angry, really anything. Um, and, but at the same time, what was being taught to me was that people, but especially women need to control what they eat. And, um, that appearance was very, very important. So there were two messages being served because while I did not grow up in a restrictive household, I didn't have an almond mom. The ice cream truck actually used to stop right outside our house every single day because the ice cream man knew that my mom would get us ice cream. Um, (laughs) yeah, it was, it, it was a cash cow. It really was. Um, but so it wasn't restrictive at all. But at the same time, it was like, but you really shouldn't be eating that. You know what I mean? So there were two Mm. very conflicting messages being taught to me. Um, And I was put on many diets. I think as young as age eight or nine, I was brought to a nutritionist. Um, I was put on pretty much any diet you can think of. I was sent to fat camp. And what would always happen is I would lose maybe 10 pounds after starting whatever program that 
my parents wanted me to. Um, and then I would quickly gain the weight back and more. So I was constantly yo-yoing up and down, um, never happy with myself, never thinking that I was good enough um, because that's what was being communicated to me. And then when I was in college, I intentionally lost a lot of weight. I put myself on a diet. I, I think that was actually the first time I put myself on the diet, which is maybe mm. how I ended up losing so much weight. Um, but the impetus was my sister was getting married and I was her maid of honor. And mm. there was a lot of pressure to look our best for that day. Even though it wasn't my wedding, it was her wedding, but some for some reason I had to look good on that day too. Um, and I remember ordering my bridesmaid's dress um, and I think it was a size 16 at the time. And then I went away, I went back to college for senior year. And in one semester I lost, I think like 60 pounds and they had to cut the dress wow. in half. Oh my God. Yeah. They cut the dress in half and then sewed two, the two sides together. Um, and then after that, oh, but I will say at the time I thought that what I was doing was healthy and normal. And I don't remember that being a time of heavy, heavy restriction. It was just what I would call discipline, um, going to the gym multiple times a week, tracking what I ate. Um, I used my fitness pal, which I advise against now. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely advise against using that or using calorie counters or trackers or anything like that. Um, but that's how I did it. But then afterwards I became really, really afraid of putting the weight back on. Mm. Um, so much so that I just kept cutting out more and more and more. And then the next few years, I would say that's when it got into really tricky territory. Um, and it became a really restrictive eating disorder. Um, and I lost even more weight over the next few years. And it got to a point where I really, really couldn't restrict anymore. And then it swung in the other direction where I started binging and purging mm -hmm. Um so I would restrict as long as I could, as long as I physically could stand it. And then I would break it and completely lose control around food um, and binge and then feel very, very guilty and purge. Um, so then that went on for another couple of years. So I've really had every type of eating disorder that you can imagine, except yeah. for exercise addiction. I was never addicted to exercise. Um, but Exercise was definitely part of it, just not something I would say I was addicted to. So that's yeah. kind of like my history. And then I realized I had a problem after I moved to New York and um, I, for a couple of years, was living on my own and nobody was there to watch me. So it got progressively worse and worse. Mm. And it got to a breaking point where I was like, I need external help. I need to yeah. go seek out a therapist, somebody who specializes in eating disorders. And I started seeing a, um, a therapist who's, who did cognitive behavioral therapy with me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She would have me write down everything I ate, but then also how I felt before and after. 
And uh, from seeing that therapist, I realized that what I really had was an anxiety disorder that I was um, medicating with food or with With restriction, with with the control of food. Exactly. Um, And she also taught me about this concept called intuitive eating, which I'm not sure if you've heard of, but if it's had kind of a resurgence Mm -hmm. in the past couple years, people are getting really into it, which I'm really happy about because it, it literally saved my life. Um, and it's a set of principles where you completely let go of any rules that you have around food and any labeling of food, good or bad. And you allow yourself unconditional permission to eat. There's a lot more to it than that, but that's the basic idea of it. And sometimes when I tell people about it, I get the response like, well, isn't that just how, you know, isn't that just a normal way to eat? And the short answer is yes, but I think a lot of us have become very disconnected from what we actually want and what our bodies need because we think we need to be eating a certain way. Um, So we just don't have any idea what we are craving in that moment. So we follow all these external rules instead of listening to our bodies. And it took a, that, I mean, that took a few years, but once I really learned how to listen to my body and to not, to not judge myself for eating certain things, it became so much easier and, and the binging stopped and the restriction stopped. Um, and eventually I got to where I am now where I, I really don't feel the need to control my food at all. Wow. That's great. (laughs) Incredible. And thank you for sharing that, you know, that journey. I think a lot of people will resonate with it. And I've noticed as well that, you know, the way that intuitive eating has become really popular, specifically on TikTok, those videos come up a lot. Yeah. I've seen that. I've seen that. And a lot of people get the wrong idea about intuitive eating because they haven't read the book. And listen, I mean, I, I will say you don't need to read the whole book, but you really do need to read at least the 10 principles of intuitive eating to and and practice them in order to understand what it really is cuz some people think it's so unhealthy. Some people think, you know, eating whatever you want whenever you want, that can't be healthy. I would just be sitting around eating family-sized bags of potato chips all day. But it <laughs> really isn't like that. It really isn't mm-hmm. like that. I I I always tell people if you truly take the judgment away from what you're eating, you still want vegetables. Your body knows when you need a salad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was I was gonna say I feel like if you're if you're actually listening to your body, it doesn't want the same thing all the time either. Mm-hmm. Like it's just to someone who would say, "Oh, I would just sit around and eat potato chips." It's like your your body will actually crave other things as well. You will feel will. you'll feel awful. I'm telling you right now, you will feel awful if you sat around eating potato chips all day because they're not very nutrient dense, and you eventually, you're, yeah. I mean, yes, you, you will just <laughs> you will not feel good. I mean, yeah. there might be a period of time when you start to eat intuitively that you will eat what, you know, many people call junk foods, um, and you will be eating a lot of them, but eventually you will get to a point where you won't feel the need to, because think about it. If you're allowed to eat it whenever you want, then it's far less appealing to you. You just don't have that desire to eat it all the time. Yeah. And I've seen like charts that have basically like the food you're craving and then nutritionally what it usually means, like what your body's lacking. And I'll never forget one of the ones that stuck out to me was a lot of times if you're craving chocolate, your body is might be deficient in iron. 
a bit. Oh, okay. Like things like that. So I don't know if that's a part of the intuitive eating as well. Of like, oh, you're Not, listening to your body. Your body's craving this thing. I, you know, I've you seen charts like that too. And I have a, a problem with them because it's substituting what you're really craving for something else because it's oh, the yeah. better choice, quote unquote. Yeah. It's saying like, mm. no, don't eat that thing. Right. When, yeah. when really it's like. I can have some chocolate. You know what I mean? Like there's right. nothing wrong with eating chocolate. It's a, This is another issue that I have is that we put moral value on food. Like, oh, I'm mm-hmm. being really bad today because I'm eating fast food. But really, when you think about it, we don't owe <laughs> we don't owe anybody healthy choices, quote unquote. Like we don't. Yeah it doesn't make you a, a better or a worse person to be eating certain foods and, and definitely your body craves certain nutrients and you should be, you should be mindful of that, but that doesn't come till later. The last principle in intuitive eating is actually gentle nutrition. And that is, you know, Oh, I'm feeling lethargic. Maybe I am low iron. So maybe I should, mm-hmm. you know, add some spinach to my meal, but it's never substituting something for something else or saying, you know, I feel like I want this, but really I want this because that's the good choice. Because right. eventually what's going to happen is that craving isn't going to go away. It's just going to get yeah. stronger. Yeah. And on the note of like getting sick of the same things all the time, we were talking about essentially foods that are quote unhealthy. I've had that actually more when I am doing like a restrictive diet and I'm eating like the grilled chicken and the vegetables every meal and the same meal. And I did this one program once and I think by like week four, I was eating and I physically started gagging. Like I could not make myself eat the food. And it was partly because I was sick of it and partly because it was bland as hell. Like, and it was just a crazy combo of things. And I was like, oh, clearly you don't want this. Like it took me getting to that point of forcing myself to do this program of just like, this is not for you. Like, Have you you been able to eat grilled chicken since? (laughs) Yeah, but it's something like that diet, man. I could not eat oatmeal for like a year. Oh, I was having God. oatmeal every morning, the same oh. thing. And, you know, part of it is you go, okay, I know what the meals are. And that makes it easy to, quote, stay healthy. Because it's like, okay, it's the same five meals rotated. Yeah. But ooh, week four, I was like, I'm out. I, I, I just, I can't make myself yeah, do this awful. anymore. But it's cr- like, but we don't talk about that when it comes to, quote, the healthy meals. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, stick to that. And you'll be this desired weight that you hope for. Or blah, and blah, listen, blah. you might be, you might get yeah. down to a, a certain weight that you think is ideal for you, but it's definitely not sustainable. And that's what would happen to me a lot when I would go on these diets. I mean, I went on the South Beach diet once with my sister and my mom and mm. I, I talked about this on Diet Starts Tomorrow recently, how it's like, it's so fucked up that I, I have had so many friends go on diets with their moms. And it's like, yep. this is a fun thing we're doing together. Like, <laughs> no, what, do, what do dads do with their sons? They take them fishing. They throw the ball in the backyard. What do we do yeah. with our moms? Let's go on the South Beach diet together. Mm-hmm. It'll be a fun thing. Let's see who loses more weight. I've done that. I've done that actually with my dad and my mom. Before. Oh, really? And talk about frustrating or, or just pointing out how diets don't work is there were a few diets I did, me, my dad, and my mom, and my dad would lose weight and me and my mom wouldn't. Yeah. I mean, isn't and that it so was frustrating? Like, okay. So I guess this clearly doesn't work for us or it works for men or who knows, right? A but, lot of studies yeah. actually, th- this is important to know and I didn't know for a really long time, but most, if not all studies that are done on the body are done on men's bodies. And we have a very different physiology than yeah. men do. We have a monthly cycle that, you know, fucks with us really hard. At least it fucks with me really hard. And, um, 
I didn't notice until the past couple of years that even when I'm working out, cause I, I work out a fair amount when it's the point in my cycle that it's right before my period, like I'm about to get my period. I always feel so weak. I can't physically lift the same amount of weight as I usually can. And um, before I was tracking that information, I would think like, ugh, you're a fucking failure. You're fucking weak. Why can't you lift this? You could lift it last week. And then I realized, oh yeah, there's so many complicated things happening in our bodies that you can't really judge yourself like that. And um, it's just health is so much more than what we eat and what we're mm-hmm. able to uh, to do physically when working out. There's so many other components to it that you really need to keep in mind. It's not the same thing doesn't work for every single person. Yeah. And I think you're so right that we talk to ourselves in that way a lot. Like you said about, oh, I'm being good today or I'm being bad today and like perpetuate that. And we do it to other people too in ways that I think we don't realize. And now that I've, we've started to have a lot lot more of these conversations and I think I've started to get more videos like that on my feed and start to key into it a little more, I've noticed it more in people's language. Yeah. Um, I mean, I notice it whenever I'm around family and Mm -hmm. the, the subject of bodies comes up. I mean, the thing is food is very emotional for people. Um, and weight is obviously very emotional for people and it comes out, but I notice it even like my 90 year old grandmother, she's 90 years old. She still wants Mm -hmm. to lose five pounds. And, um, and I'm like, for what? What like, reason? Yeah. For what? You're on your way out. Like, and, and also <laughs> you barely leave the house. Like, who yeah. is this really for? I think we just assume that that's what you need to be doing. And, and this is something a little bit on the side of families in this realm, right? Here's what's hard, especially when you're young. I was also the chubby kid, right? And I remember coming home from school being so frustrated. Like, we had a gym class fitness test. Mm-hmm. And I was one of the top people in the fitness test, but I was the chubbiest girl in the class. And I said to my mom, like, so-and-so is so skinny, but like, she couldn't do the fitness stuff like I could. But then I said, but how come I'm so fit and I could move so well, but I still have like this body. And so it's also like your family get the window into like your true vulnerable self of being unhappy with how you look. And so I think a lot of times it does come from that. It comes from them being like, well, I want my kids to be happy and I want mm-hmm. to help. So like your mom being like, well, we'll, we'll go to a nutritionist because it's correct and it's healthy and shouldn't be like a restrictive diet fad thing, right? Because my mom's taken me to a nutritionist, right? Mm -hmm. And it's something that it's like, I think a lot of us have these kind of touchy relationships with our family and food. Uh, But it's, you know, looking from the parent lens, it's like, I think a lot of it will come from a good place where they're like, I want my kid to be happy. And if we're unhappy in our own bodies, it's like they feel bad and they try to help. And granted, it's not always correct the way that they help. But totally. Totally. You know, I, I mean, I think a lot of us have that. I, I think a lot of us have that too. <laughs> and, um, and it's generational dieting. I mean, when you think about our parents, who were they being raised by most of right. that? And, and yeah. I'm talking about our age group. Mm-hmm. They were being raised by, by people who, um, lived through world war two, you know, and there wasn't a lot of food. Food was scarce and it wasn't, a good thing to overindulge. And so then that was passed down to them and they developed these complexes that then they passed down to us. So it's not their fault at all. And I'm very empathetic towards my mom in particular. Um, Also, 
it was the 90s and fat camp was very common. It was a common thing for people to go. I had friends who went like I wasn't the only person I knew who went. Um, And some of them liked it. Some of them had good experiences at, at fat camp. But my experience was not good, mainly because it wasn't my decision. Um, Mm -hmm. It was my family's decision. And I actually didn't even know it was a fat camp until I got there. Oh, wow. Oh, shit. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And I remember looking at the brochure and the brochure had this weird language on it. It was like um, sports, self-esteem, and fun. And I was like, wow, this camp really cares a lot about self-esteem. I wonder why. (laughs) (laughs) holy shit yeah and then I get there and I and I quickly realize that oh wow I have to do aerobics every day um I have to wear a a special wristband that tells the kitchen people how much I can eat um oh my god yeah I have to be weighed in front of the entire camp (gasps) every week they weigh you that's like that movie heavyweights yeah Yeah, so Fun fact, heavyweights, that camp is based on the camp that I went to. <gasps> oh, my the, God. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm 99% sure The Ben Stiller's character in that movie is named Tony, and my camp yeah. director's name was Tony. Oh, Ooh, wow. probably. Mm-hmm. But he wasn't, I will say, he wasn't as insane as Ben Stiller <laughs> is in that movie. He didn't walk on glass to yeah. withstand the pain or anything like that. Um, but the overall concept was definitely the same. I mean, I think this just extra shows how like it needs to always come from you. Like you mm-hmm. wanting to make a change, you wanting to do something because it also is why like you suddenly get the group pressures, whether it's the group pressure of like, we're getting nachos group pressure or the group pressure of like, we have spring break coming up. Let's get salads. Right. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it comes from, it is so hard to have self-control and go against whatever the group is doing. So whether it's, I want the burger, y'all can eat the salad or the vice versa where you're like, I'm not that hungry. I just want a salad. And it's like, don't make us feel bad that we're eating the nachos. Right. Or whatever. That, yeah. That happened to me on Friday. And that's one of the that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons why I like said that thing about picking up on language. My friends and I were playing volleyball. We set up volleyball nets on Friday afternoons once it starts getting nice. This was our first time doing it. I'm just so happy it's summer. And I got food ordered to the field because I was hungry, and I ordered a salad mostly because my hands were filthy and I wanted something I could eat with a fork. Ah, hard relate. And <laughs> I actually I love eating things with utensils. I used to not eat oh. anything that like I hated chicken wings because I hated getting messy. Yeah. I'm not really like that anymore. But for a long, long time, I needed a fork. <laughs> Funny. Yeah, I like we were like, you know, pl- we were playing grass volleyball in the dirt. Like my hands were gross. I was like, I need something I can eat with a fork. I'll get a salad. And when it came. All of the women that we were with were like, oh, my God, Al, you ordered a salad like <laughs> That I'm like, I oh, can we not comment on my food choices? Like, even though the comments they were making were, were in their minds, quote unquote, like compliments. Positive. Right. Like I'm mm-hmm. putting compliments in hard air quotes because But I they're don't... basically saying you're being so good. Yes. You're being so good. You had a fit day and you're eating a salad. What? Right. Crazy. I'm like, I just yeah. can I just eat over here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then that makes you feel weird about the whole thing. Like, so weird. I then felt like I had to. Exp- I had. I. It was a cob salad. I then felt. I didn't say it, but I then felt myself wanting to be like, "Well, there's this in here." Like, I want. I felt yeah. myself wanting to like prove it. What I, it I was, was going to say up. that too. It's. I, it's so funny that it was a cob salad. It's so <laughs> funny. Like, we just, we just get it in our brains. I mean, we've been brainwashed to be honest. That 
a salad is good, but a burger is bad. But when you add up all the ingredients, a lot of the time you end up realizing, oh, wow, I should have just ordered what I wanted because these aren't even that calorically different and that nutritionally different. So Mm. that's even more of a reason to honor your cravings and get the thing that you really want. And if that is a salad, go for it. Eat a salad. Mm. But um, and that's also why I hate calorie counts on menus, because I'm Mm. like, all right. I mean, I guess, you know, some people have no idea what's in their food. So maybe they find that helpful. But for me, it's like I'm just overthinking this now more than I even wanted to in the first place. Yep. Well, the truth is, if you go out to eat, it's going to be way more calories than if you cooked at home. 100 percent. And so a lot of times if I'm out to eat, I'm like, what is the thing I want? Because it's going to be a lot of calories anyway. It's going to be cooked in butter that I usually wouldn't cook it with or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I just want to enjoy it. It's like, this is a treat for myself. I'll enjoy the treat, you know, or try to. Um, One thing you touched on was that your disorder got really bad when you were by yourself because no one was checking on you. So I'm curious, did you have friends and family noticing when you really were being like an unhealthy weight loss because first you were like, I lost the weight for the wedding. I assumed you kind of were praised for that. It was like, look how good Emily looks. Oh my gosh, you got in such great shape, right? So I'm curious, when did they notice and and what did they do that was helpful and what was not helpful? Because I think a lot of us have been in that scenario where you're like, I know so-and-so is not eating or they're doing this, they're doing that. And you want to help, but you don't know how to help. Yeah. um, So the advice that I always give someone when they're like, oh, I, I think my friend or my sister, or my mom has an eating disorder. Is there anything I can do? I, I always give the same advice and it kind of disappoints people. And it's that there's nothing you can do because a lot of the time, if you say something, even if you're expressing concern and clearly you don't think this is a good thing, if that person is deep in their disorder, they're going to interpret it as attention and they're going to interpret, they, they Mm. may interpret that as, Oh, I, 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 people are noticing this is great. It's working. Um, and for me that did happen. I remember there was one incident where I told a friend that I had been purging because, I I went through a phase where, a phase, I mean, it was a disorder, but I went through part of my disorder where I was purging a lot and then I was able to control it so that I was purging less. Um, And then a few months later, I just, I relapsed and I started purging again. And I was talking to a friend and I was like, you know, this is a really big problem for me and I really want to stop, but I can't. And she didn't know what to do and I don't fault her for doing this, but she called my sister and she told my sister what was happening. And my sister got really, really upset because she didn't even know that I had an eating disorder at the time, sat me down, like had kind of like an intervention with me. Mm -hmm. And I just did not take it seriously. I just um, dismissed the whole thing. I told her she was crazy. I told her my friend was overreacting. I got really super defensive. Um, And we kind of left it off with like a very generic, like, okay, well, just make sure you're being healthy. Right. Right. So, (laughs) and, and were you mad at your friend also for, I was not because I knew that I I knew what her intention was doing that, but I was a little bit like, okay, did you really need to call my sister? Like, um, cause I think very, very highly of my sister and I didn't want that kind of attention, um, but no, I, I wasn't 
I don't remember being mad at her, but I remember thinking like, well, that, that whole thing was pointless. I'm totally still going to do this. I'm not going to stop. So, um, yeah. And, and then, you know, there were times where my extended family would see me after not seeing me for a long time and they would say, oh, you're too skinny. Eat a sandwich, eat something. I will say I was never medically underweight. Um, I was probably like 10 or 15 pounds lighter than I am now. Um, but I'm, I'm pretty thin now. So that's another thing is like, I don't think we can really go by what is medically underweight. Cause I think everybody has a weight that they are healthy at. And yeah. for me, I think if I lost 15 pounds now, I think I would look really gaunt and not healthy. Um, but I don't think they necessarily thought it was a problem. I think that they were kind of happy about it because the opposite was not acceptable. Mm. I've been there. I feel like there's yeah. always a comment. Um, one thing you mentioned too, was talking about how you felt so much shame around one, having an eating disorder. And I assume even after you kind of got through it, uh, when it came to dating. So I'm, I'm curious, I have two questions. One is just, were you actively dating while you had the eating disorder and how was that affecting your dating life? Yeah. So I was, <laughs> I was for a really long time and that was not good for my recovery and it was not good for my dating life. It was really not a positive thing because, um, and it's kind of hard to explain, but when you have an eating disorder, you become a very dishonest person and you're pretty much your whole life is devoted to maintaining this thing, but not letting on that you're doing it. So, you know, when you're lying every day to everybody, how do you date somebody? Because dating people, it's about being vulnerable and it's about being right. honest with people. And I couldn't be honest with anybody. Um, I remember I dated somebody in my mid twenties and maybe for like four or five months. And in the beginning, we were only seeing each other once a week. So I would know that we were probably going to go out to dinner or we were going to be drinking. That was another thing. I was drinking mm -hmm. and, um, and I didn't, I rarely drank alcohol because of the calories that were in it. So I would restrict for days at a time. And then when I knew that the date was going to happen, I would allow myself to eat, but I would allow myself to eat half my meal and I would allow myself to drink because I had to. That was another thing. I was very anxious and and I felt like I needed to drink. So they had no idea that I was doing this, that I was restricting for so long before I would see them. They just thought mm -hmm. they just thought we were going out to dinner and I was having a meal just like any other night. But then yeah. when it got to the point where we we were seeing each other twice a week, then it started to get complicated because then it was like, okay, well we already went out to dinner on Tuesday night. So on Saturday during the day, we have to do something that doesn't involve eating. But then, you know, they would always get hungry and I would end up watching them eat pizza at a pizza place and just staring at them and being a, what I felt like ex exhibiting really weird behavior. And I couldn't, you, you just can't keep that up for very long. You can't like, no, I never wanted yeah. to tell anybody because I thought it was shameful and I thought it was weird and I didn't think anybody would understand. Um, so then when I 
decided to get serious about recovery, I took a break from dating because I was just like, there's no way I can do this. Aside from the, the fact that I would feel the need to restrict before going on a date. Cause I knew that if we went out to dinner, it would be, I had no idea what was, what was going to be on the menu or what I was going to be eating. And that was scary to me. But then also I would feel bad after, you know, I, I wouldn't feel like myself. I wouldn't feel like my best self. So I couldn't really do both at the same time. And then I remember talking to my therapist after a couple of years when I had started feeling like, okay, now I can date again because now I have a more of a grip on this. And I said something like, I really don't feel the need to tell them about my eating disorder. I really don't feel the need to bring it up. You know, maybe if we stay together and maybe if we're official, then like a few months down the line, maybe I'll say something. But Mm -hmm. in these initial dates, why would I say that? Like, that's just going to make them uncomfortable. And I remember her saying to me, and it, it stayed with me. She said to me, but don't you want somebody to really know you? Like this is a really Mm. big part of who you are. This has been like your whole adult life that you've been dealing with this. So by not telling somebody about it, you're kind of lying about who you are. You're kind of representing yourself as somebody who's never struggled when in reality you've done nothing but struggle with this your entire fucking life. So um, that really resonated with me. And then literally the next um, person that I saw has now been my boyfriend of four years. And I told him about my eating disorder on date three. So I really think like you want to hide these things because you think they're shameful, but you need to be honest with somebody if you've gone through this because they need to be aware of it. They need to be aware because it's going to continue to affect you for your whole life. And that person is supposed to be there for you. But then also, if it's somebody who thinks that that is too intense, then I can't be with that person. Find because, out now. Yeah. Like, if that's too intense for you, then I don't want to be with that person because I'm kind of an intense person. Like <laughs> that's kind of part of who I am. So clearly yeah. we're not compatible. And how did that co- initial conversation with your now boyfriend go on your third date? Um, I remember being really nervous and I don't exactly remember how it came up, but I do, it did feel like it was coming up naturally. So I was like, all right, well, if I'm going to try this uh, vulnerability thing, I, I guess now's the time. Right. So yeah. I pretty much explained it the exact same way that I explained it to you. Um, And I said, now I practice intuitive eating and I've learned so much and I'm really working on myself and trying to, trying to heal my relationship with food. And the way that he responded was just so much better than I could have ever expected. He was just like, that's incredible that you did that by yourself. That's incredible that you realized you had a problem and you're taking the steps to get over that problem. And then he also said, which is something that I really didn't expect because my boyfriend is a very slim guy Mm. and he's always been like that. His family, they're just all very slim. Um, He said to me, like, I've never had to think about things like that. I've never had issues with body image and no one in my family has So I can't judge anybody for what they've been through because 
I have no idea what that's like. And to me, like that, his ability to have that kind of empathy and to have it on the spot, like to not have any yeah. preparation time to, to have yeah. that conversation. Cause I had prep preparation time, you know, um, that was really, really impressive to me. And that told me a lot about his character. Yeah. I love that. That's so sweet. It was. Yeah. It, he's such a sweetheart. He really is. Um, but also another thing that I realized throughout, um, like that initial courtship time, I guess, is that I was actually judging guys for their bodies. I, I didn't want to be judged for my body and I was super mm. self-conscious, but I was also judging guys based on the way they looked. I remember like the first time I met him kind of thinking in the back of my mind, well, this isn't going to be anything serious because he's super skinny and I, I can't relate to that person at all. Like there was oh. something in me that just always felt like I can't relate to people who have never struggled with their weight. I just can't like, what would that even be like? But then um, over the course of getting to know him, I realized that he grew up really super skinny, not able to put on weight. And well, for yeah, a guy, the problem. Mm -hmm. yeah, the opposite problem. And My for, for men, for men, that's like, you feel like you're supposed to be big. You're supposed to be jacked and like be able to play sports and you, and the guys who are built get girls. And so he had the experience of like wanting to gain weight and not being able to, and and thinking like, I want to be bigger. Like, even if I was fat, like I would prefer that over this. Mm -hmm. And I never thought about that perspective before. And, um, it taught me to not judge others just because their bodies were different than mine or, you know, like everybody has different experiences, but one isn't necessarily more desirable than the other. When you told that story of seeing him and thinking, you know, I don't know if I'm going to be able to relate to this guy because he's, you know, super slim and I don't know if I can relate to someone who's never struggled with that. It's interesting that that was your assumption that like, because he is in this, what you would consider ideal state, he must have not struggled with that. Yeah, I know. And I, I just always assumed, I just always assumed that, all thin people like never had any problems. Like I used to, um, you know, if I was talking to somebody who I perceived as having an idea, like what I would think of as my ideal body and they were complaining about literally anything. If they were, if they had a single gripe with the world, I would think, <laughs> well, what do you have to fucking complain about? Like you look like that. Like, what do you, Yeah. I, I really did not think that you could have other problems in your life if you were thin. I thought that would solve all my problems. Well, that like then creates the cycle, right? Because then when you realize that that has not solved all your problems, mm -hmm. then it's like, oh, well, I, maybe I just need to do more or like continue on because the problems aren't solved yet. Yeah. And that wasn't, that was a rude awakening for me after I initially lost weight. And then I was like, wait, I still feel like shit about myself. This actually didn't solve the problem that I thought I had. I thought I had a weight problem, but really I had an anxiety problem and, um, and, and a lot of self-loathing that doesn't go away just from losing weight. Right. Yeah. Funny. I had that when it was right after I got herpes, I dropped like 15 pounds and it was of my adult life, probably the best I ever looked in terms of like the most in shape, thinnest, whatever. And I was also dressing like 
I was dressing how I don't really naturally dress. I was wearing like heels, full makeup, <laughs> full dressed up all the time. And because it was in my head of because you have herpes, now you have to be so hot for anyone to want to be with oh, you. Oh, that's like I interesting. Felt, I felt like I needed to look my absolute best for any guy to even consider being with me and dating me. And it didn't directly say like I was fat. I didn't think that, but it just was like, okay, let's be the best we can be. And it was because I was terrified of telling people herpes and thought, if I'm not looking my best, they're going to automatically say no, that they were correlated. But then it was, I was the best I ever looked and the worst I ever felt. I felt terrible. I did not feel good about myself still. I was not happy. And I don't know, maybe it helped me that I was looking that way and I was still getting rejected that it was like, okay, I guess it doesn't matter then. Like, I guess it doesn't matter (laughs) if I'm, you know, smaller end in heels. It's like the dude still said no. So we could go back to our sneakers or whatever, you know? You know, I had that experience too, where I was like, I, I was in, in my mind, it was the best I ever looked. And I was like, okay, well maybe it's my personality. (laughs) Like you can't put your personality on a diet, I guess. Um, But, but so when, when you say you lost weight after getting herpes, you did it intentionally. It wasn't from stress or. It was a mix. It was a mix of being sad that I naturally just wasn't eating as much, but I would go and like run on the treadmill and I did not even like running but I was just every day like clockwork and then there was a there was a few times I'd be on the treadmill and I felt myself starting to cry because I'd be thinking about herpes stuff and then weirdly that would make me run more and I was like oh "Oh, this is just like I knew I was like this is crazy I've never been a runner and suddenly I'm (laughs) running three miles a day easily like it was just You're a running really a marathon, just tears streaming down your yeah, face. Yeah, just a sobbing marathon. Like I was oh, like, is this the, is this the motivation all these other runners have? Are they just all on the brink of crying? <laughs> like I was like, okay. You know, I think a lot of them are. Uh, it might be something, you know. <laughs> but it was, yeah. But it was very. I was eating very little, and I was working out a lot. And I also was 25, so weight would come off me quickly if I yeah. did that. Yeah. Like, you know, mid 20s, I'd be like, oh, I would just have to, you know, watch what I ate for like a month or two work out. And I'd be like, oh, drop 10 pounds. No problem. Right. Not that that's right or wrong. But um, yeah, but I just that's uh, that's always what I think about when people are like, oh, I lost weight and I'm still unhappy. I was like, yeah, I was the unhappiest I've ever been was at the time the best I ever looked in my life. Right. The thing is, I feel like if you're feeling your worst, people can also pick up on that. Um, and yeah. it's kind of, it's kind of cheesy to say like uh, inner beauty and all that bullshit. But like, I do think there is a certain element to it because like when I was super duper thin and I honestly was dating these assholes who certainly valued the fact that I was thin, it's, I, I look at pictures now and I'm like, I didn't look good. I, I looked sad. And I also physically, you know, I wasn't that nourished. So my skin didn't look as good. Um, the whites of my eyes weren't as white. My teeth were bad, you know, like interesting. It, it's not the only thing that I do think like living your best life, it does make you look better and more appealing to the opposite sex as well. Hmm. Um, I'm curious when you told your boyfriend, I'm curious what you said at the time. And I'm also curious if like going forward in your relationship, have you told him, I don't want to say to point out certain things, but basically like how, how he should navigate it with you. If he does see that you're starting to restrict again and do those bad habits. Um, well, 
I will say that I do think it's easier to stay on track when you're in a relationship because you're sharing a lot of your meals. So it would be really impossible for me to revert back or relapse um, because I, I just don't even know how that would work. We're making meals for two and he sees what I eat. You know, yeah, he would wouldn't know be able immediately. To hide it. I wouldn't be able to hide it. Yeah. Um, it, it would be a full-time job. I know that. So it is a lot easier. And so I almost can't even like suggest what a single person would do because he does help keep me on track. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've had that thought like, well, if, if we ever broke up, uh, aside from the fact that I would be heartbroken and probably really stressed out, I wouldn't have somebody there to make sure that I'm eating protein and that I'm eating, you know, balanced meals. That has honestly really helped keep me on track. Um, when it comes to certain comments, I will call them out in the moment. And mm. I will say like, nobody is perfect. We've all been brainwashed by diet culture. We've all been taught to say certain things in the moment. Um, One thing that I remember having an an issue with is we went out to eat and I ordered two things because I couldn't decide. So I ordered like, it was an Italian restaurant and I ordered a plate of pasta and I also ordered chicken Parmesan. I always struggle between whether I want one of the entrees or one of the pastas. Right? It's like Sophie's choice. (laughs) I no, I actually prefer um like if it's a pizzeria, they usually give you some pasta on the side. Oh, the best. Yeah, the best. Exactly. Um, but the problem is I, I don't want just pasta with marinara. I want like putanesca or you want yes. the like special pasta that yeah. they're offering on the menu. That's why <laughs> yeah. sharing it. I love going out to meals with people who like to share because I want to try everything. Me too. Yeah. No, I, I don't want to be love committed splitting. to the one plate. Oh, me too. And and also you're going out to eat and usually everything on the menu is so good. You want to try more than one thing. Yes. So it's all going to be way better than what I'm doing at home. Yes. Um, but so I ordered two things and and he was trying to, in this celebratory moment, you know, we were out to eat and I don't remember if it was like the first warm day or or if it was maybe someone's birthday or why we were going out, but it was, it felt celebratory. Mm -hmm. Um, He said, oh, well, you're not going to wear a bikini for like eight months. So just eat everything you want. And I was like, wait a second. Wait, 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 wait. wait." Mm. So if I was going to wear a bikini tomorrow, would you tell me not to eat both of these things? And he was like, well, no, of course not. No. And I was like, well, so just think about the implication of what you're saying. Yeah. So like when things come up, I will call them out, but I do sometimes feel guilty because I know that his intention is never to make me feel bad. And it's also never to like, he doesn't believe that he doesn't believe that you can't wear a bikini if you're a certain weight or if you eat certain things, he in no way does he even think about that. Yeah. So he, he said, no, of course not. Um, and I was like, well, then think about the implication of what you're saying when you say Mm -hmm. that. Um, So, you know, if it's a comment like that, I will call it out in the moment. But sometimes I feel a little guilty for that because I know his intentions and I know that he doesn't think that certain bodies are worthy of wearing certain things and certain art. Like I know that he doesn't even think that, but I think we've all been brainwashed and we all, sometimes we just say things in the moment because they sound good or they, or they sound, or 
I don't even know why we say them, but I think sometimes we just say things without thinking. So I try not to get too bogged down by the implication of those things. If I know the person and I know their intention, Mm -hmm. then I can kind of set it aside. But yeah, like certain things, they just are triggering. Certain comments are triggering. So I thought he was encouraging you. I think he was. Like, I think he was, was trying to say, like, like, yeah, get them both. Screw exactly. it. Exactly. It's like, not bikini season, but it's like, yes, of course, that comes off. But even if it negatively. were, <laughs> even if it right. not that there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think you're right that we do say things kind of reflexively based on what we've just heard over the course of our entire lives. That happened to me, actually, another story about this volleyball outing in a different way, not about food. Two of my guy friends were squabbling about something as we were trying to set up the uh, trying to pack up the nets, and I don't know what came over me. They were squabbling like children, and I said, "Ladies, ladies, like let's calm down." Why the fuck did I just? I literally said said to myself, "Why the fuck did I just say that? Mm-hmm. Why did I just decide in this moment that them squabbling like children makes them ladies?" Mm-hmm. I would be so pissed if a guy said that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. That's a good one because I I've done that too. Like I called I called my nephew a sissy the other day. Yeah, right. and I was like, yeah. I shouldn't use that word. Like I'm encouraging toxic masculinity right now. Completely. Um, but I, yeah, I think called me out on it too. He was like, Why does this make us ladies? I'm like, Oh my god, <laughs> no, you are right. Yeah, that's. I'm happy that they called you out, and I'm happy yeah. that you recognize that. Like I I'm of the belief that nobody is perfect, and that people, you know, sometimes we just say things because we don't know what to say. And I, I've done it too. And I try not to be defensive about those things because it's a learning experience. Like you can call yourself out in those moments and say, okay, but what did I, what did I mean when I said that? And why would I think that deep down? Or do I not think it deep down? And I'm just, I'm just trying to make a joke and it landed wrong. You know, I think it is helpful Mm -hmm to actually reflect on your own behavior and how you could be contributing to to other people's bad feelings potentially. And I don't think that means anyone is a bad person. I totally agree. Yeah. No, it's just easier to do it with people we know versus Mm -hmm. people we don't know, of course, because it feels, yeah, just more purely judgy, I guess. Well, this, I could talk to you, I feel like, for days about this, Emily. Truly. Uh, yeah, this was so great. Thank you so much for sharing everything. And uh, if you guys haven't checked out her podcast, Diet Starts Tomorrow, she talks more about this um, with another friend of mine, Remy Casimir. And uh, thank you so much for coming on. This was awesome. Yeah, thank you for having me. And um, yeah, listen to Diet Starts Tomorrow. I mean, we talk about this stuff a lot, but we try to do it in a lighthearted, humorous way because I do think there is a lot of humor in this stuff. Once you break it down, it's kind of hilarious that we've... Um, as women that we've been conditioned to care so much about our bodies. Like there is some humor in that. So I like to be able to find that too. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. the thing you were talking about your boyfriend with gaining weight, it made me think of the number one thing men spend money on is food. And a lot of times it is to get bigger and to eat more. And then women, the number one thing we spend on is like clothing and appearance related stuff. Yeah. To quote, make ourselves look thinner. Uh-huh. It's just crazy. Spray tans. Everything. Uh, um, those meals that go right to your door that you're like, I'm spending $600 on dinosaur food. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know exactly what meals you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> I like, could, oh. uh, I could talk shit about them too, but um, Oh God, they're terrible. I'll refrain. Anyway. 
But yeah, thank yes. you so much for coming on. This was so thank fun. You. This was awesome, Emily. Great to meet you and thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. And everybody listening, we'll see you guys next week. See you next week. Bye.